0: It's Tuesday, December the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, markets respond to Britain's plight and Europeans prepare for Pfizer's vaccine. First, the world in brief. The rapid spread of a new variant of the coronavirus in Britain perturbed financial markets after more than 40 countries banned travel from the country. The World Health Organization tried to calm fears, saying that the new strain was not out of control, contradicting Britain's health minister. Still, share prices tumbled, oil prices fell and sterling lost as much as 1.3% against the euro and 2% against the dollar. The continuing impasse in talks on a post-Brexit trade deal also weighed on the pound. The British government again insisted that it would not seek to extend the transition period that ends on December 31st. The European Medicines Agency recommended the authorisation in the EU of the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine, having advanced its approval meeting from December 29th. Inoculations should start shortly after Christmas. The European Commission, which should sign off on the EMA's decision this week, has already organised joint pre-purchase agreements on behalf of member states with the developers of several prospective jabs. William Barr, America's Attorney General, said he would not appoint a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden or allegations of election fraud. The decision will disappoint President Donald Trump, who is known to support such an appointment. The tax affairs of Mr. Biden, the son of President-elect Joe Biden, are already being examined by federal prosecutors in Delaware. A statue of Robert E. Lee, a Confederate general, was removed from the Capitol in Washington DC, where it represented Virginia along with that of George Washington. Ralph Northam, the state's governor, called the Confederacy a symbol of Virginia's racist and divisive history. Lee will be replaced by Barbara Johns, a civil rights leader, if the state assembly approves the swap next month. Royal Dutch Shell said it would write down its oil and gas assets by between $3.5 billion and $4.5 billion, taking its cut for the year to $22 billion. The latest downgrade is a response to impairments in Shell's Appomattox oil platform in the Gulf of Mexico and to refinery closures. In April, the company slashed its dividend for the first time since the Second World War. And Nathan Law, one of Hong Kong's most high-profile activists, applied for asylum in Britain. Mr. Law fled the territory shortly before the imposition of a smothering national security law by China in July. Joshua Wong and Agnes Chow, with whom Mr. Law had set up a pro-democracy party, currently languish in jail for their part in street demonstrations last year. And now, here's today's agenda. Dear Prudence America's unspent stimulus checks This week, Espresso is publishing its year-in-review editions. Today, business, finance and economics. Of the dozens of provisions tucked into America's CARES Act, the $2.2 trillion fiscal stimulus package passed in March, none was as popular as the one-off payments to households. Taxpayers earning less than $99,000 a year, $198,000 for couples, were sent up to $1,200 with an additional $500 for each child. The hope was that consumers would spend the windfall and pep up the economy, which went on to shrink by 9.5% in the second quarter. However, a recent working paper found that just 42% of the money was spent, another 27% was saved, the remaining 31% was used to repay debts. Those short of cash, who said they would be unable to spend a month's income to cover an unexpected bill, were no likelier than their more liquid counterparts to spend their stimulus money. Those who received larger payments tended to spend less of the extra money, a possible argument for tighter targeting. Value Judgment Cheaper shares have underperformed. For more than a century, some investors have prospered through value investing, buying shares that appear cheap given their fundamentals. But since 2010, the Russell 1000 Value Index, which tracks America's stocks with low price-to-book ratios and low expected earnings growth, has risen by just 87%, compared with the 171% for the market overall. Shares in the priciest American companies in 2010 have mostly kept soaring. According to AQR Capital Management, an investment firm, the gap between the price-to-book ratios of the most expensive third of American stocks and the cheapest third has widened steadily since 2015. By March, when the analysis ended, the priciest shares were a record 12 times dearer than the cheaper ones. While shares in fast-growing companies with high price-to-book ratios have risen by around 20% since January, value firms' shares have shed more than 10%. But the wild gyrations of tech stocks in September suggested that investors do get antsy about their high valuations. Corporate Risks Companies immunity to the virus As the pandemic swept across the globe, investors dumped shares in weaker companies. A working paper published in April by economists at the University of Hong Kong, the Chinese University of Hong Kong and the University of California Berkeley examined which characteristics were most beneficial and which most harmful during the stock market sell-off between early January and late March. Using data from more than 6,000 publicly traded firms, the authors found that companies in countries with more cases of COVID-19 suffered more than those in less affected countries. Cash-rich firms weathered the storm better than those with less in liquid assets. All else being equal, the share prices of companies with more cash, larger profits and less debt were more resilient against the pandemic. Companies based in poor countries also performed worse than those in richer ones. Finally, firms in countries with common-law legal traditions suffered bigger share price declines than those in civil law or socialist jurisdictions. Iceland – Women's Rights at Work To mark International Women's Day on March 8th, The Economist updated its Glass Ceiling Index which ranks 29 countries on 10 indicators of equality for women in the workplace. In 2020, Iceland topped our ranking overtaking both Norway and Sweden. Women make up 50% of Icelanders taking the GMAT, the de facto business school entrance exam, and hold more than 41% of management positions. At the bottom of our ranking was South Korea, with Japan not far above. Just 59% of South Korean women are in the workforce, against an average of 65% for the OECD, a club of mainly rich countries. Those who do work earn on average 35% less per year than men, the widest wage gap in the group. Where legislators are lopsidedly male, parental leave tends to be meagre. America, where less than a quarter of lawmakers in the House of Representatives are female, has no federally mandated parental leave at all. Bigger Mac China's burgeoning economy America's economy did not exceed China's in size until the 1880s, according to the Madison Project at the University of Groningen. The two now rival each other again. In 2019, China's workers produced 99 trillion yuan worth of goods and services. America's produced 21.4 trillion dollars worth. Since 6.9 yuan bought a dollar last year, on average China's GDP was worth only 14 trillion dollars at market rates. But 6.9 yuan stretches further in China than 1 dollar in America. For example, a McDonald's Big Mac costs about 21.7 yuan in China and $5.71 in America according to prices collected by The Economist. By that measure, 3.8 yuan buys as much as a dollar. But if that is so, then 99 trillion yuan can buy as much as 26 trillion dollars, and China's economy is already comfortably bigger than America's. McDonald's was once a symbol of America's economic might. Now, the Big Mac shows how that might is being surpassed. Finally, here's the quote of the day from George Eliot, who died on this day in 1880. Wear a smile and have friends. Wear a scowl and have wrinkles. That's it from The Economist morning briefing available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber...